right, well, I'm so glad to be back with you guys today. As uh, someone said, there was a hole in his life, me not being here. I know it was said facetiously, but I missed you guys too. So um, a lot of songs about love today. Uh, I think that's a good thing. Let's just be clear that uh, we often sing songs about love, but we, we tend to be confused on, on what it means, right? That, that it's not the uh, Hollywood uh, uh, rom-com version of love that's, uh, that's, that's based on uh, the way we feel, that my love for anyone or anything isn't based on uh, my feelings, because those are things that change, right? The way I feel right now will change greatly uh, based on how much rest I had last night and if I had a good meal or a cup of coffee. So, so be grateful that our love for one another isn't based on feelings. And, and the reason I bring that up is because we misunderstand love so well that uh, when we sing about love, it, it almost has this sense that it's somehow part of that, that romantic love that you see in the movies. It's not. In fact, scripturally, love is always a, a decision, a choice. And uh, now it doesn't sound near as romantic, right? We've got Valentine's Day coming up in a couple of days, and that doesn't sound as romantic as you know what, today's the day I'm choosing and therefore will always choose to, to love you, right? And, and so if I don't say to my wife, you know, honey, I love you because I, you know, chose to and I'm choosing to do that. And it just doesn't sound quite as strong. So we don't say it that way, but she knows that when I say I love you and, and, it, and at this point, um, you know, almost 30 years ago, when I said that to her, uh, I clarified exactly what I meant. Again, really romantic moment. Um, I said, I love you, I think. I, and I said, here's why I'm saying it that way. Because once I make that decision, that that's what will always be true. And there won't be a time when I go, you know, not so sure I love you anymore. But you hear that a lot. Uh, now, now, let's be honest, there's times we don't like each other so well. <laughs> We're not real happy with each other. Uh, but love isn't that. And so when we hear that Jesus loves us, it was because of that decision that he made, that he willingly went to the cross as a demonstration then of, of love, right? And so it's not the same kind of love at all as you might see in the movies. So we have Valentine's Day on uh, on Tuesday, and then today there's like a football game, right? Do we care? Anybody like, that's my team? I know, you know, they're not from here, but, but I guess you can care. Um, if you're like my wife, uh, you know, about the Super Bowl, it's about the commercials and uh, the snacks. So she's planned for the last few weeks what we're going to, to eat. And I appreciate that because I don't normally plan my meals quite that far in advance unless I'm barbecuing. So, 
Um, we're talking a little bit about, uh, about knowledge and wisdom today and what the difference is. Uh, when I was little, I rode my bike to school and uh, this was when I was in first grade. I know that's like not a thing you would do today, but I rode my bike to school. I had two older sisters, so they'd ride with me. But when I came home, I got out of school earlier than them. And so I rode my bike home from school by myself. And uh, I was curious because in my memory, it seems like it was, uh, you know, the, the, the bicycle part of the Ironman. And, and I looked and the distance from where we live to the school was 1.4 miles, which I guess is still, for a six-year-old, that might seem far, and, and that it was down a, a fairly busy street, but it was one side of the street all the way down, and then right in front of the school, there was a crossing guard. So it probably was relatively safe in a very nice neighborhood. Uh, but there was a problem. And the problem was I was six and there were times when I was all by myself and I got distracted easily. And so there were times I didn't make it home. Um, not that I didn't ever make it home. Obviously, I wouldn't be here today, but, but I didn't make it home in the relative window of safety my dad thought that I should have. And so then he would have to start looking for me. And so I would get distracted by uh, people cleaning fountains and uh, friends of mine that were, you know, going off on a trail instead of on the path and, and things like that. One day in particular, I helped them get their bikes up a hill. And then they're like, hey, we live right around, come on over. And so we went over to their house and, and uh, we, played, we played ping pong. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, I know I need to be home soon. I it almost must be that time. I, I, you know, was six, so I probably didn't even know how to tell the time. And, and so I asked and they go, well, that was the time you got here. I said, so wait, how long have I been here? And so I was really late and had to figure out how to get home. Cause I wasn't even anywhere I'd been before. You see, I tended to wander and I learned a couple of things in those days. First of all, as long as I got home in a reasonable amount of time, I could explore, and that was a good thing. Uh, and second, if you are, uh, you allow a six-year-old to wander, they will wander. It's why you see toddlers on leashes, I think. Uh, they, they will just go. And a six-year-old on a bicycle has tremendous freedom. And uh, that may not always be a good thing. I bring this up for a reason. I was in first grade and I can't tell you the name of my first grade teacher or any of the kids in my class, but I could tell you in great detail the events of that particular day and several others in which I had wandered off from where I was supposed to be in the adventures that I had. You see, that experience, I learned something. I, I I'm sure, first grade, I probably learned something. I couldn't tell you what, but I learned something. But on those days, I learned something. You see, there was, there was definitely knowledge, but I gained wisdom on those days. By studying, going to school, do you gain knowledge or wisdom? I believe the answer is both, or I wouldn't teach at a university. 
However, there is often a lack of clarity in the difference between them. Knowledge might very well be what Alexa tells you when you ask it a question. It says something like, here's what I found on Wikipedia. Or perhaps it's the results to a Google search. Knowledge is data, information, facts. Things that encyclopedias used to tell us, but now Google tells us. And these are the things, actually, computers are really good at giving as information. When I was teaching math online for a year, I learned that not only were there websites and apps that that you could use to solve problems and step-by-step instructions. In, In fact, what you could do is take the problem, if you could find a way to type it into Google, it will tell you step-by-step instructions to get the answer. Well, more like an answer. The problem is the answer that came out was seldom in the form that I would have expected my students to come up with. And so right away, I knew that they had, instead of worked it out themselves, they had just Googled it and they said, it's correct. It's an answer. Yeah, you were never taught that by me. Taught the same classes for 17 years. I never saw an answer written that way. By the way, that's called cheating. Don't do that. Just to be clear. You see, there is a difference between just a correct answer and maybe the form and the context that it ought to be in. That is the difference between the two. If gaining knowledge is studying and memorizing Googling, how do you gain wisdom, right? If it's not just the facts and information, how do you then grow in wisdom? Well, a couple of examples. First of all, Solomon asked God and went down in record as probably the wisest, not just the smartest, right? This isn't a, you know, Jeopardy champion kind of thing. He was wise, And there's a difference. James also said to do the same thing. Uh, James 1, starting in verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. So there's there's this idea that if you're like, I need to be wise. I keep making poor choices. I need to know what to do in this situation, in this specific uh, time. I don't know what to do. And and you guys, because uh, you've probably been trained this, you seek out someone who might know what to do. James says, you ask God who gives generously. You want to be wise? Ask God. And if you're asking God for the right reasons, right, you're being specific and and looking for answers, then, then he is faithful. There are answers there. What is the wise thing to do in this situation? And so we understand right away from Solomon and James that wisdom is a gift from the Lord. 
Now be careful because if you ask the Lord for patience, he's going to give you opportunities to be patient. And so if you ask for wisdom, part of it is through experience. You're going to have experiences in which to demonstrate wisdom. It's why we associate wisdom with age. Although it's not a one-to-one correlation, right? It's not the oldest person is always the wisest. They tend to go together. But we all know people that when we think about what they've done, we go, they should have known better. But God puts us in situations in which we learn how to handle other situations, right? When those situations come up, we we have a context in which to know what to do. And so that's good news. The challenges of your life teach you how to live your life, right? It's it's why we, we train children. Scripture says train them in the way they should go. We train them to know what to do later on. So what does this look like biblically? Well, the apostle Paul trained under Gamaliel as a Pharisee. He persecuted the church out of zealousness for the Lord. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure Paul had regrets, right? Looking back on his life going, yeah, that wasn't good, right? But Paul used his past, the experiences, the things he did, on his missionary journeys, as he ministered in churches, as he, he wrote doctrine that we use today. Paul used his experience and who God made him and the, the things that had gone on in his life to be, well, the Apostle Paul, that he couldn't have been otherwise. And so those experiences that come up in our lives, those challenges that happen, God uses those. That's how he's growing wisdom into you. Proverbs has a lot to say about wisdom. Uh, 3.13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For the gain uh, from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. It's better to be wise than rich is what that says. Verse 15, she's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand and her left hand are riches and honor. As in you won't do something, something stupid and end your life early is what it says. Verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. That sounds pretty good. Wisdom leads to understanding, then you're better equipped to deal with life. Wisdom and the Holy Spirit then explains worldview. How two people can look at the same event, the same situation and come to two very different conclusions of what it means and what you ought to do. My, uh, one of my favorite examples of this is from the former ABC News science editor, Michael Gillian. Uh, He was a, uh, or is, not was, he still is around, Uh, but he's a uh, PhD in math, physics, and astronomy. And uh, 
as he was studying in physics and astronomy, it led him to faith. Here's what he says. He says, I learned that the universe is expanding like crazy, implying that everything in it, mass, space, time, energy, is the aftermath of a cosmic-sized explosion. I learned that 95% of the observable universe is invisible. Uh, invisible to us. And that beyond it is an unobservable universe that's 100% invisible to us. Pretty soon I began asking myself a simple but profound question. How did this amazing, mostly invisible universe of ours come to be so amazing and mostly invisible. And it was through that and his, his searching for answers to that that he came to faith. But why? How come two people, two uh, astronomers, astronomists, uh, physicists, how could they look at the same situation and one walk away and go, how did this happen? What's causing it? And come to faith and the other one walk away and say, there is no God. It goes back to wisdom and experience. In fact, he details in in several different uh, books that he's written, he details his journey of seeking answers in world religions, in different worldviews and philosophies. And and as he, as a scientist... He came back to to faith in Christ because it lined up his views between science and Christianity. And and every other source that he saw to look at the world didn't. He came back and said, the Bible lines up with my understanding of science. A lot of people don't realize that. He looked at the universe and he saw possibilities So then you ask, that's what he did. Is there nothing but the material or is there also the spiritual? So why do people look at the same evidence and draw different conclusions? Worldview, the Holy Spirit. I think that's it. And so your worldview, your experience, your understanding of the way you look at things, the, the wisdom in which you've been granted through that experience you're going to draw those conclusions. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. This is from, from the Apostle Paul. Talking about this idea that, that we could look at a situation and see the hand of God at work and someone else could look at the exact same thing and not. He said uh, in his first letter to the church in Corinth, 1, 18, for the word of the cross is folly, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is such a powerful verse that makes it very clear that the exact same situation, you could have people that look at it and go, this is the power of God. I can't help but see God at work in this situation. And then you have the other side of that, that they, they go, there's nothing to it. It's not real, but it's the same situation. And the difference is, the, the wisdom, the Holy Spirit, and the guidance of the Lord. So I would say, state it this way. 
The key to wisdom is proper perspective. Proper perspective. We have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. We have the truth of the Bible. But if the the word of the cross is foolish to those that are perishing, not only do you not have the truth of the Bible, then you have to discount what it says. it's, It's almost like you can't say, well, here's what the Bible says. And I don't really believe it, but, but maybe that part of it's true. In fact, the opposite has to be true. If that's what the Bible says is true, then they totally discount it. So, so then they're not using any kind of scientific method, any kind of objective observation of, of what's going on. Instead, they say that can't be true. So, so maybe it's this. So then the, the perspective causes them to really go the other direction. And then Proverbs 2, 1 through 15. By the way, Proverbs written by Solomon and uh, the wisest. Uh, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes Knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand. So so notice the context of all of this. If you're willing to listen, this is Solomon speaking. He says to my son as if to a child, but we all benefit, thankfully. If you're willing to listen, if you're willing to submit to those who are wise that are teaching you, if you would do that, if, if you would willingly, right? And that's the key because I think we end up with hard hearts against the Holy Spirit and, and, and refusal to even listen. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will wash over you, watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked to those who are devious in their ways. If you would submit... If you would listen, if you would pay attention, there's this idea that, that you will be uh, protected, you'll be on guard, you'll be wise. And he specifically says discretion and understanding and a fear of the Lord, right? That when you have a proper perspective and you're willing to listen, then you will rightly fear God. And that's the, the kind of fear that uh, causes an awe. We're going to talk more about that next week. And then 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, 
a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. This is Paul talking to Timothy as basically a leader in the church. But, but that Timothy had a responsibility to study up, to evaluate his experience and his feelings and his interactions with other people, that he would always be prepared. In fact, another thing that Paul, Paul told him, you see, that he would then be presented as one approved, a worker who wouldn't be ashamed, that when the boss comes by, uh, you're not trying to look busy, right? That's, that's kind of the, uh, the situation, that when God looks, looks around and goes, come on, Timothy, you got to work harder. He says, do your best that you're going to always be able to say, I worked really hard for you. I was careful about what I said. I was careful about what I did. I, I represented you well. I honored you. And then as we grow in wisdom, we grow in Christ-likeness, right? That's what it means to be, be mature in the faith. And as our, those two go hand in hand. And what does that mean? That with experience and wisdom, we grow more disciplined. A lot of people don't like that word disciplined. I think we, we automatically respond as if being disciplined, we got disciplined. It's something that happened to us. But we're thinking of it in the terms of, of something we become more disciplined. Uh, Dallas Willard uh, uh, said uh, kind of the ideas of discipline in his book, The Spirit of Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. He, he kind of broke these up into two categories, that all of the, the disciplines that were about uh, denying oneself, right? So not appeasing oneself, not uh, living for, for pleasure and self-gratification, but, but saying, you know what? What really matters is I grow in my faith. There's going to be things that come up that I'm going to have to say no to. And when I do, then I, I've, I've grown spiritually. I haven't just given in, right? So it's the exact opposite as uh, growing from a baby and, and teaching your children, right? Because babies, they just cry till they get what they want. And then as you grow, you learn how to have patience. You learn what's good and healthy for you. So denying self. And then there's the other disciplines that are about uh, encouragement within community. And, and these are really common things, right? Denying yourself, there's solitude and silence and fasting and the Sabbath, secrecy, as in being able to keep a secret, and then submission. And then the things that we do corporately, Bible reading, worship, prayer, fellowship, uh, reflection, and service, right? These are things that we do together. And so the, the reason that comes up right now is when we grow in Christ likeness, we grow in wisdom. And as we do, we also see opportunities to exercise our spiritual gifts, the fruit of the spirit, discernment. These expressions of spiritual maturity go together. So spiritually mature believer may be wise and discerning, meaning through wisdom, we can apply the knowledge experiences to a situation. 
right? That's what's at stake. It's not just, I know a bunch of stuff, right? Because there are plenty of atheists that can quote scripture better than most Christians. But it's not alive in their heart, right? Scripture's clear, it's alive and well, but it's just something they know. It's not something they do that they believe. So we don't just want knowledge, we want wisdom. We want to know what to do with it. Have you ever got suckered into a theological debate online? You probably know that the, uh, the online world is uh, really it's anonymous social media posts where it's where the trolls live. Even, even Christians there, there are people that, that even in Christian groups, there are some that they're just there for a fight. They're just looking for a brawl. And, and what they do is they, they, they throw the first punch and then step back and watch because it's fun. Yeah, some of you know, you've been in there. Being passionate about theology, I think is a good thing, right? This is what scripture says and this is what I believe but those, those arguments, those discussions are not healthy and not helpful. I've, I've been invited. Pastor, I'm, I'm involved in this forum. Would you join in? I think we could really benefit from hearing what you have to say on this. Um, I'll read what you guys have said. And it takes about two minutes to go, there's no way I'm jumping in on this. There is, there's no way that I could step in and say something that people are going to walk away and go, man, now I know it's true. There's going to be 35 replies to anything I say, whether it is, it is true or not, whether I just quote scripture exactly. Someone's going to come back and say, you're, you're pulling that out of context. I gave the whole context. What are you talking about? You see, the wise thing to do isn't just based on knowledge. Come on, pastor, we know you know about this. We know you have training in this. We know, you know, there's a reason you had to study systematic theology and you're reading books and come on, we need to hear. No, this isn't about that. It's about what's the wise thing to do. What is the thing I could do in this situation that will make the situation better? Sometimes it's just to be quiet. I I got caught one time. uh, A a former uh, uh, student uh, had been in my church and it watched her grow up. And, and during one of the, the recent elections, uh, she shared a post about um, the, the support of a nurses group for some candidate. And I was shocked. Not, I didn't even notice who posted it. I just noticed that it was a nurses group supporting a candidate that, that was... Uh, full on uh, in favor of abortion at any stage of, of uh, development. And that shocked me. And so without thinking, I just replied, wow. That was all I said was, wow. And within seconds, she jumped back in and said, do we have a problem? Now, there might be emphasis coming from me, but I couldn't read it any other way. Do we have a problem? I'm like, great. Now I'm already in. I said, I'm just shocked that a nurse's group whose responsibility is to help 
people and, and help them with their health would support a candidate that's about ending the life of babies who are helpless in the womb. She goes, that's not what they say. I said, just Google it. So then she came back, okay, that is what they say, but yeah, this is a rabbit hole, right? We, we will go round and round about this. And what's the, the wise thing to do? How can I engage in this conversation in a way that honors God? Because it's not about being right. I think I am right. I think I've got the truth of scripture. I've got some, some years in comparison. I, I think I could present it in a way that would help. But is that what's going to happen in this situation? Mm -mm. It's not. And so I found a way to be respectful and step out. Uh, That's just one time. Unfortunately, I've been a a Christian for for over 30 years. And I can tell you, I, I can't count all the times that I have put my foot in my mouth. And I have said things that I shouldn't have said that were offensive because they were true. Because it wasn't just that I said what was true. It was that I didn't say it in the right way or at the right time to the right person. And so thankfully, God's not done with me. And I have grown and I, and I have said less lately than I used to say before. Because I'm not 20 anymore. Uh, so if I've learned one thing, it's when to be quiet. Well, actually have more knowledge now than I had then. Shouldn't I say more with more knowledge? No, that's the difference, right? Knowledge versus wisdom. Wisdom, sometimes the right thing to do is just to be quiet. With wisdom comes discernment, knowing what to say and what not to say. Spiritually mature believers should be growing in wisdom and the fruit of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such of these things, there is no law. What does that, that look like? Right? What would that look like as you interact with other people? Uh, couple of next steps today. First of all, uh, maybe today you need to trust Jesus to forgive you for the times you've made those mistakes, uh, the things you said, the things you know you shouldn't have said. Maybe you need to go, some, go to someone and ask them to forgive you. Uh, maybe it's just between you and God. God, will you forgive me? Forgive me of my sins and then trust to follow him as, as boss of my life. And then, and then uh, perhaps it is to give thanks to the Lord for the life he's given me, which is exactly what I need to bring him glory. All right, give thanks and then trust him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and, and probably there's been times I, you know, I'll just be honest, I've, I've messed up and I've said things and done things and, and gone places I shouldn't have and you've been gracious. Your word is clear that when we ask for forgiveness, you're faithful to forgive. And so Lord, we would do that. Father, if it's maybe the first time for anyone here that today would be the day they would say for the first time, Father, forgive me, a sinner.
who needs to be forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, that our sins could be forgiven and we could be saved. Father, we want to conduct ourselves in a way that is honoring to you, that it's not just what we know, Father, that in wisdom, we would know how to say it, maybe when not to say it, who to say it to, how to honor you best in all things. Father, we're so grateful that you surrounded us with with mature believers that can support us, encourage us, guide us in wisdom, and that we would be faithful to ask for help when we need it. And Father, most of all, that we would rely on you and trust you for the outcome in all things. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.